We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello and welcome to the CHGO Bulls podcast. I'm your host, Will Gottlieb. You can find me on Twitter at Will underscore Gottlieb. I'm joined by our producer, Joey Spathis. He's back for more action as we have this HQ episode with our guy, Mark Karensoulis at MK Hoops on Twitter. Mark, uh, very early morning for you. Thank you, thank you for uh, adjusting your time. The Bulls have their uh, red carpet event for the Ring of Honor Gala tonight, so I had to move it up so I could attend. Mark, are you uh, are you with me? Are you awake? What time is it there in Australia? Well, it's not super early. It's it's eight thirty two a.m. But um, yeah, just I'm with you. I'm present. That's, that's but am really I present? Cool. That is the question. That is the question. We will find out over the next sixty minutes, William. But I'm glad to be here. Glad to be talking balls with you all. Hello again to Joseph. Appreciate you um, reoccurring here, making the comeback. Thank you. Thank you for doing so. Thank you for all of us. Bulls fans tuning in, video on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, whatever it is, we appreciate you. We do indeed, and you are present, and Zach Levine is present. Zach has been back for three games. I'm very curious to see, uh, to hear about your thoughts on him since his return. Of course, there were some more rumors in the rumor mill from Jake Fisher today at Yahoo Sports. We'll get into those. And um, the one and only clairvoyant Bill Simmons mentioned that the Bulls are a top six team in the Eastern Conference. 
fight him. So we're going to be talking about that. We're going to be talking about the Bulls and how they fit into the Eastern Conference picture. And can they climb out of play-in range? We will see. Um, but Mark, we've gotten three games of Levine. Last game, mm-hmm. uh, last night against the Rockets, he was outstanding. I thought 25 points, 13 boards, seven assists, three steals. Um, very much kind of slowly getting back into uh, cruise control for him. But what have you seen? What have you liked? What have you disliked, if anything? Well, undeniably, his best game of Zach Levine's season. I think that's a fair statement that he's had better scoring nights. I, I, I can point to the 51-point the game, game three of the season against the Detroit Pistons in that loss. 51 points where he went off there. He's had other games where he's had 30-plus. So certainly not his highest uh, scoring output evening, but definitely his best all-round two-way game that He's played this season, and if you want to make the case for last season as well, I, I would be listening um, because Zach was fantastic on both sides of the ball last night. Uh, his defense, particularly in that first half, was sensational. The fact that he went after the glass the way he did, 13 rebounds, 7 assists, the 25 points that he did had a, all came within the flow of the offense. He was looking to get into his catch-and-shoot game moving off ball, doing all, essentially doing all the stuff that everyone has been clamoring for Zach to do. Now, my frustration with it is, is why does this have to, why do we have to reach this point to extract this level of play? But, you know, removing that feeling that I have for one moment, what we saw from Zach last night was the perfect encapsulation of what you want to see from Zach Levine, whether you are a Chicago Bulls person or a a prospective uh, rival GM or executive who's potentially thinking about trading for Zach Levine. Like that's, that's the, the archetype. That's the type of guy you want to be bringing into your franchise or keeping within your franchise, assuming he consistently play like this. Yeah, I mean, I think Zach's obviously had one of his better games last night, but I also think that because of the way that things transpired with how poorly he was playing to start the year, how he got injured and then the team all of a sudden started playing really well without him, that there's just like this narrative that he's like a traffic cone on defense. He's like letting guys walk to the rim um, and that he's just like completely hijacking off. Like, I just think that that sort of idea of Zach Levine is really wrong. I mean, I don't think he's a perfect player. I think he does have moments where he kind of hijacks the offense, but I just think people have really villainized him and it was nice to see him really fit in. And you mentioned like, why does it have to get to this point? I mean, the answer to me is because he missed a lot of time. The team started playing well without him. And I think for a long time, if you are in your mind, the best player on the team, um, and if you are one of the best players on the team, if things aren't going well, you kind of default to the things that you do well to try to pull the team um, out of the mess that they're in. And I think for the Bulls, that just like happened to make things worse and worse for them. So um, I do really credit Zach with the way that he has fit in, the way that he, I mean, he was getting stuff in the flow of the offense, but I thought he picked his spots really well where he was just kind of attacking on his own. There were a couple of plays. He had to pull up three in transition. He had a couple of drives where he just like got the ball uh, rebounded the ball and then just like brought it up and went all the way to the rim. He missed a couple of layups early in the game, but he kind of said after the game, like when I get to the rim like that, I, it feels like a make to me. Like that's just as good because it means that the game is really opening up for me and I've, I'm picking my spots well. So uh, yeah, just really credit to him. But I think it begs this bigger question of like, where does he fit in now? Because there's all these rumors and we can get into some of that stuff. 
about the Bulls maybe not being able to find a suitable trade partner for him. Um, and I think this other question that's been kind of going around of how does he impact Kobe White and Kobe White's um, just tremendous leap towards fringe stardom uh, since Zach went out. So Kobe last three games has really actually picked up his production. I know he kind of got onto a cold spell there after going scorched earth for about 15 games, but last three games, 26.3 points, 6.7 rebounds, 6.3 assists, 54, 50, 84 splits. Uh, half of his shots have been threes. And again, with Kobe, like you see that 50% on the three point shooting, you know, that number is not going to persist, but to me, it's like the way that he's getting offense. Um, you know, I know people were a little frustrated with the way that things kind of devolved down the stretch. Um, and I know you have strong, strong thoughts about that. So, uh, feel free to share them, but I thought he was totally involved, but also getting a lot of easy looks from everybody else. So I was actually really pleased with the way that they played, save for like maybe that four minute stretch where things really bogged down. But um, do you feel like, how do you feel like Zach's um, return has impacted Kobe? I mean, do you think that they're kind of able to coexist the way that they have in this last game? Well, uh, yes. Ultimately, if, if we're getting this virgin version of Zach, but it's not, it's not just Zach coexisting or Kobe coexisting next to to uh, to Zach, like the three of them. In it, and if you want to include Vooch in this too, the the balance that they've all sort of struck over this three game period has actually been, you know, quite nice to see. To be honest with you, like look look at the usage last night. Demar had nineteen field goal attempts. Kobe had seventeen. Zach had fifteen. Vooch had seventeen. That's a nice spread. Like those four guys took the majority of your offense, but no one is holding anyone back from within that. And I think more generally, the flow of the offense last night was very, very good. Even in that last four four minute stretch that you referenced, if you want to extend it to five minutes, I thought the Bulls got some really good looks out of that stuff. And something that we need to be better about, and maybe not necessarily you and I, William, but uh, maybe the, the collective fan base is, is it okay if we credit the the opposition at some point in time? Like, can can we do that? I'm, I'm, I swear it won't hurt anyone Bulls fans to do so. But like, the Houston Rockets are a very very good defense. They're fifth in defensive rating this season. They're coached by Ima Adoka, who obviously has a focus on that side of the ball. They were doing so many good and creative things on defense last night. So there's going to be stretches where the offense does bog down, particularly in those late guy late game scenarios. But more generally, I thought the Bulls offense was you know quite sound and decent uh, 100 112 points per 100 possessions last night not not great but against a good defense completely fine and uh i think the the rockets hold their opponents to 111 p- points per possessions the bulls were 112 so you know credit the defense there but to your question around zach and kobe their fit together and how Kobe has been able to fit with Zach and Demar, et cetera. I think that really just speaks to who Kobe is as a basketball player. And you mentioned the the fact that he's going on another hot streak here, the fact that he's shooting 50% from three. Uh, he's taking 16 field goal attempts, I think it is, over the last three games that Zach has been back. Eight of them have been three. So 50% of his offense is fueled from the three-point line. Like That's why this can work and why it can work all together is because Kobe is such a good off-ball player such a good catch and shoot player and if you want to put him on on ball scenarios then that works too he's a very malleable player from that perspective so that's why this is working but it's also working it's working because of who kobe is but it's also working because of the way zach has bought in particularly in those, those first two games where he was sort of really 
maybe overcompensating, passing the ball too much, maybe not looking to get involved as much as what we would normally see. It sort of started to level back up to something more usual, I would say, last night against the Rockets. But even then, within that Rockets game, Zach played a very controlled, in-the-flow type of game. So this can work. It's just a question of do the guys want to make it work? Like, And that has been the question throughout the season. And that has been why Zach has been villainized to some degree this season because for very, very obvious reasons, we were to, which we'll talk about in segment two, Zach hasn't wanted, wanted that to make or, or wanna, hasn't wanted that to work, but it's working now. So let, let's see if it continues. Well, I think I, I would have a little bit of an objection with that because I think these guys all want it to work. I just don't know that they're all willing to do what is necessary to make it work. Um, not sure if you disagree with that, but like, I think what's been nice about this stretch for Zach is that to me, and again, I haven't like talked with him about this or um, heard anything from his perspective, but when you kind of do the whole like song and dance about wanting to get traded and showing up with the clutch sweatshirt on and all this stuff, and then it turns out nobody wants you like that's got to hit the ego a little bit. And I think whether it's like marketing himself to the rest of the league or genuinely trying to be a useful part of this team because he now sees that the, the team can win if they play this style. Um, you know, I think Zach is obviously capable of fitting in with that. There were moments last night where he kind of started to dominate the ball a little bit, had three turnovers in the final four minutes and 15 seconds, which really let the Rockets back into the game. And the Bulls were up eight points with four 15 left and they didn't score the rest of the way. Three turnovers from Zach, a couple of misses. So it's like, you know, I, I think it's a big adjustment for him to really kind of figure out how to play that style, but he's clearly capable of doing it. It's really a matter of, can he do it consistently? And I know that's a broken record that I've heard a million times from the players and coaches. It's a broken record that I've repeated because that's my job to repeat what they're saying, but it's really true. I mean, these guys have the capability and certainly Zach with the way that you said his malleability as an offensive player to be able to shoot off the catch, be able to drive and attack closeouts, um, to be able to be a three-level scorer. I mean, that's stuff that like is really difficult to find. And if, you know, it, I think it's a mindset thing for him where if he buys into utilizing those weapons at the right times in the right places, and it's a maturity and an IQ thing too. Like he has to know, he has to accept the fact that that's going to be his role. And, you know, he has to pick the right spots to do it. Um, but we've seen, and this last game is proof that, when he does that, it looks really good. So um, I don't know. What what are your thoughts on just like Zach in the near short term uh, ahead of the trade deadline here? Uh, there's going to be some time before anything happens. If something happens, do you expect to see this version of Zach? Do you think, are you at all concerned that maybe things start to tip back to, you know, old Zach or whatever version of Zach that had been a little bit more ball, ball dominant? Like, I saw you tweet a couple of times, like you're going to need to see a little bit more of this before you really start to buy in. Mm -hmm. And I think that's fair and reasonable. And I guess the, the irony for me is I'm coming off as a Zach hater now and I understand why, but like for years I've defended the guy, but I don't think it's wrong for people to be disappointed at Zach for the way he's conducted himself this season. People want to, I don't, I don't know why I saw this last night. Now, granted it wasn't every fan. It was just some, but people are pretending as if this guy doesn't want to be here or didn't want to be here, didn't go to 
management or whomever and say, hey, let's let's try to find a trade. Didn't purposely dog it on the court. Like we all saw those things that happened, but I don't know why someone just kind of pretending that that didn't happen now, that he's come back and played really well the last three games. So I find that frustrating. And because of that 19, 20 games that, of how this season started, how Zach applied himself at the start of the season and how that first 19 games was crucial in putting the balls in the hole that they're currently in, which we'll talk about a little bit later to close the show. No, I can't forgive that because if you just come back and play three really good games, I'm going to need to see a lot more. One for you to overcome or, you know, prove to me that, you know, that this three game sample is more meaningful than the first 19 games, which tanked this team. And, and to be fair, he wasn't alone in doing that, but still, so I need to see more from that point of view, but I still remain skeptical in the sense like, are we getting this version of Zach now because he's his time away, he's had a uh, he's had some time to be more self-aware, he's had some time to really understand, okay, the team can function without me, I need to come in and fit in rather than trying to do my own thing. Is this him having some sort of basketball reckoning in year 10 and realizing where his, where his status is within this team, within this league more generally? Or is this just an audition for the next two to three weeks for him to try to be on his best behavior as such to to get where he ultimately wants to go? Like, I don't know what the answer to that question is. I remain skeptical. I think it's fair to be skeptical based on what we've seen this season, but also what we've seen with from Zach in years past too. Like, I, I completely agree with you that the general narrative around Zach Levine about you know, he's a bad defender. He's an inefficient player. He's a, he's a ball hog. He's a bad teammate. Like all those general national sort of national media storylines or, or, or topics or narratives that people have brought up in years past, yet, yet those are dumb. But I think those which fe- Bulls fans who have watched this guy for the last five to seven years, the, the, the questions that we're asking this season specifically and people specifically from people who have previously supported Zach and are now starting to question things, I think those narratives are good and fair and the questions asked are all good and fair too. So I need to see significantly more. I still remain skeptical if this is just who Zach is. If it is, great. Because then if it is and he wants to be in Chicago and doesn't want to be out, then my opinion changes about Zach Levine. But let's see. And particularly if things trend the way they are and Zach is remaining in Chicago post-February 8th, that's going to be where it gets really interesting. Like, what what version of Zach do we see when a trade can't happen? Like, is he still going to be on his best behavior, or do things devolve back to the way they have been in, in past years? I, I don't know the answer to that question. To me, I'm not sure it really matters because the outcome is the same. Uh, the The question is what you just posed, which is like, yeah, but like, what happens if he doesn't get traded, and is this going to be, you know, who Zach is moving forward? I'm optimistic that the answer is going to be yes, because I still think he does want to be elsewhere. And if it doesn't happen at the trade deadline, it probably is going to happen in the off season. So the longer Zach plays like this, the more, you know, the more teams are going to appreciate what he does and feel more comfortable trading for a guy who plays the way that he's been playing. So I I still think a bot in Zach um, can exist with this team. We'll see how much longer he's actually around and, and we'll talk about some of these rumors here in a second. But yeah, I'm just I'm very pleased with it. And you know, we talked about this last week about are the Bulls kind of marketing and shopping the wrong guy. If he continues to play like this, it's kind of, you know, I'm feeling like that might be the case. That I think, you know, this this might not be the right time. Not necessarily that they should 
build around Zach forever, but like that this is not necessarily the right time to be shopping him just with the way that his um his value is around the league right now. So let's actually get into that and more here in this next segment. Um Brooms, we see your super chat and we appreciate it. Is there any credibility to Jerry shutting down low ball Zach trades? That I think takes us really nicely into some of these rumors for the next segment. So first a quick word from our sponsors and then we will get into that. Uh Mark just wanted to say thank you very much for clearly marking down who is going to be reading which ad today. And first is going to be me reading about Empire Today. Because with Empire Today, you get to shop at home at the with the convenience of your own home for the products for your needs with quick and professional installation. Empire Today is best place to get new flooring. So of course they have copycats, but Empire can't be beaten on quality service speed. And so competitors advertise low quality products that Empire simply won't carry. Empire won't promise the lowest prices because anybody that is promising those kind of prices is not putting floors down in their home that you would want in yours. Empire's philosophy is to help you find what you need, but not overwhelm you with thousands of choices and substitutes. What they leave out of their selection is as important as what they put in. Empire's product team exhaustively combs through thousands of product samples each year to find the perfect styles. They have a virtual floor designer. That's a great way to see how these floors will look in any space. It's easy. You just snap a picture and instantly see how the new floors will look in your room. Empire prides themselves on convenient shop at home service. They help customers shop floors where they use their floors so they can see exactly what those floors will look like in their home's lighting and decor. So schedule a free in-home estimate today. All listeners can receive a $350 off discount when they use promo code CHGO. Restrictions apply. See empire.com slash CHGO for details, guys. $350 off floors at Empire today. Yes, William. Empire today, what a fantastic company following up with that. It, it is hard to follow up, to be honest with you. But um, if there's one company that can match what Empire today do, it is our friends at Game Time. Who, can I just say, have the best last ticket app, last minute ticket app going around. I know there's some some existing traditional long-standing applications or products or services that give you similar type things, but none do it better than Game Time. I haven't find I haven't found rather an app that is easier to use gives me real uh, real time market pricing the best pricing guaranteed best pricing going around but the fact that i can get my hands on tickets to a ball game whether it's the football whether it's football basketball baseball whatever it might be whatever you're into game time supports your sporting habits and what you want to see on the court if you want to go to a theater show a a, a music concert whatever event you want to get to a comedy show whatever it might be Game time is the hookup, friends. So if you want to get your tickets or get your hands on some great tickets, making sure you're getting the best last-minute deals, then download the Game Time app. If you don't already, create an account. And when you do, use promo code CHGO for $20 off your first purchase. Of course, terms do apply. Um, but again, if you download the Game Time app, you create an account and you redeem uh, the offer using the code CHGO, you will get $20 off, all because William and I are just very good people that want to see you save some money. But more generally, and more importantly, it's because our friends of game at Game Time are here to support us all. So we appreciate them doing so. Like again, download the Game Time app, create an account, use promo code CHGO for 20 bucks off. That's simple, friends. It's that simple, but you know what's not that simple? Trading what? Zach Levine's massive contract. Uh, so the Bulls have to figure that out. Jake Fisher, Yahoo Sports today dropped a uh, 
rumors article and there was a ton of bull stuff in there. None of it super exciting, but let's just go through some of it because obviously it impacts everything about the bulls moving forward here. Um, he said, consider the possibility that two-time all-star Zach Levine, whom the bulls have explored moving since the summer league sources told Yahoo sports and the Raptors, other premium free agent to be all-star forward Pascal Siakam could both remain with their incumbent teams past the February 8th buzzer. No real surprises there. I mean, I, I think we've all kind of been preparing for that possibility. Um, yeah, anything to add? I mean, to me, it's like, it's a possibility. I'm still not resigned to the fact that they're not going to be able to move him. I think teams like the Lakers, the Lakers really are the one that I think makes the most sense um, to to try to, or at least to get desperate enough to make a move. But I still think there's a, I don't know, what would you say? like more or less than 50% chance that Zach Levine gets moved? Uh, probably less at this stage based on where current reporting is. And uh, again, I, I hope people are reading and listening to current reporting, which e included previous reports whereby Zach Levine has said he doesn't want to be in Chicago. I know that's not a new thing, but for some it is. Uh, but assuming people are reading the reports and the reports are true, then... I think based on where the narrative and the jungle drums, all that sort of stuff, the noise, it kind of sounds like Zach is going to be here post-February 8th. Is that the right thing? I don't know. Time will tell. Let's see. That That's kind of entirely dependent on Zach in some respects too. Like, what does he want? Part of the reason we are here is because he doesn't want to be here. Yes, the Bulls have shopped Zach in the past. I don't think they have been wrong to do so given where this team has been the last two or so years given that DeMar and Vooch don't necessarily have the same level of value in the trade market that ideally someone like Zach would. Now, clearly Zach doesn't, which is why they're finding it difficult to move him right now. But does Zach Levine want to be here? I think that's the first question the Bulls and Zach need to need to ask themselves. And if the answer is yes, then cool. Let's try to reconcile. Let's try to find a way to build this thing up and continue winning 65% of the games as as the team has been doing over the last 20 games. Let, let's, let's continue to do it, assuming you want to do it. But if that's not the case and Zach still wants to be moved, then then what do we do? I think you have to look to make the move. And whether you sacrifice or lose out on maybe one asset or two or something like that, I've made my... Well, we've had this conversation before. I would make the move because I, I, I would just want resolution. I value resolution. But if you want to asset manage it, this thing and play it out and play it into the offseason or even to, into, next, into next season, maybe that's the right answer too. So... I guess the point being, William, there's a lot of unknown questions or questions without answers at this stage, some of which that we can't answer. And to be fair, it's only only a couple people can answer the question. It's, it's Zach himself, it's management, it's Jerry, and it's opposing rival executives. Like, what do they all want to do? We're going to find out in three or four weeks' time, but I think the Bulls need to ask the question first, or Zach needs to ask the question himself. Like, what do I want? Do I want to be in Chicago or don't want else? do I want out and want to be elsewhere? And I don't know what his current answer to that question is. Well, I actually disagree with that. I don't think it really matters at all what Zach wants. Like he's under contract. He is eligible to be traded and the Bulls were the ones that were shopping him first. I'm not saying that they were wrong to do so, but like what Zach wants in this situation doesn't really matter. The Bulls, I think, got bailed out by Zach asking for a trade or asking or maybe not asking for a trade, but um, publicly saying he was open to being moved as the Bulls were open to moving him because it made him the villain. And now the franchise has a scapegoat where, you know, it doesn't really, the optics of Bulls getting nothing back for Zach don't exist anymore because the team played with, well without him already. 
he asked for a trade and the public knows it. So I think they actually got really kind of bailed out by this situation. Um, not to say that that means they shouldn't trade him or, you know, if the Bulls continue to play better, that they won't trade him because they want to keep him. I'm not really sure. But I, to me, it's like, this is not a question of what does Zach want? It's not a question of like, can the Bulls get the right package back for him? It's a financial question. The Bulls are going to move on from Zach because they can't go into the luxury tax and they can't bring everybody else back. They're more committed to DeMar, it seems. They're more committed to Vooch and Patrick, which is what it is. But that's, I think, the real issue here. So the next quote from Fisher, he says, quote, there's still plenty of doubt among league personnel that the Bulls will find an amenable trade partner for Levine, a team that is both willing to assume the four years and roughly $180 million left on Levine's contract and furnish Chicago with preferred pieces who can help the ninth-seeded Bulls keep pace in the Eastern Conference. Postseason picture has been hard to come by. Uh, the franchise that may harbor the most interest in Levine is the Los Angeles Lakers, but they could also take themselves out of the running by trading for another difference maker, such as DeJounte Murray. So I think we all know the, the market for Levine right now is not popping. Um, I think the Lakers are the most likely destination just because they seem super desperate. Um, and, you know, who, who knows what happens with Murray, but there are other teams that are interested. I think the Raptors, Knicks, um, the Pistons were named as teams that would be in on those sweepstakes. And I think all those teams have a better package. I think the reason why the Lakers make sense is because they don't have a lot to offer and because nobody else is really willing to offer anything for Zach. So that partnership, I think, just makes the most sense. Um, uh, Fisher also said that, quote, LA has continued to tell teams that it doesn't want to part with Austin Reeves, sources said. Uh, there's some pathway for a Murray to Los Angeles deal if the Lakers would be willing to include Reeves. So, you know, I, I understand the Lakers not wanting to give up their good players, but like, that's how you get a deal done. You have to give stuff up to get stuff back. Um, I know Lakers fans are like not super high on Levine right now as much of the league isn't, but he is a clear upgrade in my opinion um, and would make a ton of sense for that team. So ultimately, I still think that 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 will be his de destination, whether it happens at the deadline or maybe in the upcoming summer. In some ways, I mentioned this last week, it might make sense for the Bulls to wait until the draft because then they could potentially get a pick on draft night when teams who don't have a pick in consecutive years are able to trade their current pick on draft night. But that also assumes that the Bulls are going to be hanging on to Levine past the deadline, which remains to be seen. Um, do you feel like there's any other major suitors for the Lakers or I'm sorry for Levine, or do you still feel like it's the Lakers that are going to be, I mean, you, you've been calling this since the summer. Yeah. Well, there's, there's, I no, I don't think there are any other major suitors um, at this stage. Maybe, maybe that changes. Maybe the Warriors continue to spiral. Maybe they try to do a challenge type trade and try to salvage their season, try to, make something work from that point of view but no i don't think there's many other suitors beyond the lakers for a number of different reasons uh but it is what it is like it, i i'm not going to sit here and say i'm some genius for pointing this out like any anyone with any pulse on this team the nba landscape more generally will understand why the connection exists between zach and los angeles and, and why it makes sense on a, a number of different fronts but i think it needs to happen now for the lakers i don't think they can wait because you, you can't wait when you have LeBron James, more generally. He's, it's not like he's 30 years of age at this point. But also, are we sure that LeBron is here for the Lakers next season? Like, are we absolutely sure about that? 
And are we, are we absolutely sure that at, at the draft they're not doing some crazy, crazy things to try to um, acquire, you know, Bronny James to in Los Angeles to keep LeBron in Los Angeles and those sorts of things. So I do think there is a different calculus for the Lakers in the offseason for a number of different reasons. But yeah, I don't think a market beyond LA exists for Zach. And if LA is not prepared to offer in or include Austin Reeves in any deal, then they're not really going to get any player that markedly changes their their ceiling or their scope. So yeah, I, I don't think there's I, I don't see a path to anywhere else. So the question really becomes are the Lakers willing to include all their real stuff? And are the Bulls really prepared to move on from Zach and cash out for okay value rather than premier value that maybe they once hopefully or once hoped previously? So they're the, they're the two questions from both sides. We'll find out in, in a month's time as to what the answer to that is. But yeah, I, I still don't see this going anywhere else beyond the Lakers. And that assumes that Zach is gone by February 8th, which I'm starting to question more generally. Do you think he, I guess you, so you'd feel comfortable doing Russell, D'Angelo Russell, Rihachimura, salary filler in the form of like maybe Jalen Hudjafino and a protected top four protected pick in 2029. You'd feel comfortable with that? I would be okay with that. I would be okay with that if, if the assumption is that Zach wants to go and doesn't want to be here. And I do like it when we have minor quibbles because generally 99.9% of the time you and I agree and maybe that's boring podcasting. But coming back to your point before around where you said it doesn't matter what Zach wants, I think it does because we, we saw through the first 19 or 20 games of this season that it does matter what Zach wants because if he doesn't get what he wants, then he can go to the clutch playbook and that can derail things for a number of different parties. Now, again, the context is different here. He has seen what the team has looked out looked like without him. He's seen what other teams may or may not think about him. So the context has changed. I take that point. But I think it does ultimately matter what your franchise guy, what your max guy does think and wants. So assuming he does want LA, he still wants out of Chicago, like I said before, I'm moving him. I'm trying to get as much value as I can, whether that's Austin Reeves in that deal, ideally. If not, then give me that up, that 29 pre, uh, 2029 pick unprotected. Um, if you need to loop in a third team into this for someone to take Rui off my hands and you know you give me expiring contract or something like that or flip it for another player who makes more sense, whatever, I don't care. But yeah, I would make the deal. Yeah, I understand the resolution piece. Um, I I think from a value or from an asset management standpoint, it's the wrong thing to do. But I, I don't think that's the what the Bulls are kind of prioritizing here. If it were, I think they'd be looking more into DeRozan trades and Caruso trades. But clearly, that's not the path that they're looking at, at least as far as we know. I think there probably are going to be some other teams that are going to be interested in Levine at the deadline. And I think that might push the Lakers to have to actually make a real offer. Um, because like, if you think about the Kings or the Pistons or uh, the Hawks, even some of these other teams that have been really heavily uh, mentioned in the rumor mill and teams that are projected to be pretty aggressive here at the deadline. Um, if any of those teams like wants to put together a real offer, it's going to be whatever the Lakers can offer unless they put Reeves in. So I, you know, all it takes is one team to get interested in, um, in Levine to actually get this done. But if two teams get interested, then the bulls could be looking at some actual value back. And I think that's obviously 
best case scenario. So yeah, I don't know how many teams are out there. I think the Nets could be an option. Hmm. I think, you know, they are in just kind of a free fall situation, but they have such a perfect roster that could absorb a guy like Levine because they don't have a ton of scoring. They have a ton of wing perimeter defense, switchability, shooting. I think that actually makes a lot of sense. You know, Zach's not going to be a primary option on a great team, but if you look at a team with Mikhail Bridges, Cam Johnson, Zach Levine on it moving forward, Nick Claxton, I would feel pretty good about that if I'm a star that wants to relocate. I, I could get excited about that kind of core. So um, I could see the Nets being interested. Um, Jake Fisher also says that, quote, there's little expectation among league figures that the Sixers will pursue Siakam or Levine during this trade window. I've kind of been, I've come to terms with that. I don't think Levine is really going to be a real option for the Sixers. I think they should go after him because I think that they are kind of fooling themselves by saying that a team with just Maxi and Embiid as scoring options is enough. Like, I, I just don't believe that's going to be true in the playoffs. Maybe it is. But to me, I think you need that third scoring option. Not to say he's a perfect fit there, uh, but he's, a, I think, a better fit than Siakam, who really clogs things up, who needs the ball and can't shoot. This whole, like, this is just an aside, but like the Siakam versus Levine trade value situation is so interesting to me because Siakam is a free agent and everybody's like, oh, we don't want to tie up our money long term. But if you're trading for him, you either have to feel really comfortable that you're going to re-sign him and he reportedly wants a max contract or you risk losing him for nothing. And like, would you rather give up an asset to have like one chance at a playoff run with Siakam? Um, or would you rather give stuff up for a guy that's locked into his contract for three more years after this one? Like to me, and especially if I'm a team that needs more perimeter shooting and scoring, like that makes a lot of sense. If you're the Kings or the Pacers, maybe Siakam is a better fit there. But yeah, I don't know. I just think like Zach Levine has kind of gotten a really rough uh draw on all these different you know topics just because his reputation is so bad um yeah i don't know so i feel like there could be some more interest in levine towards the towards the deadline it's january 11th next on monday this upcoming monday lakers free agents will be eligible to be traded so that i think will will represent like the real start of trade season um yeah i don't know lakers still seem like the 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 premier option though uh just because i don't really know what else they can do but they seem desperate to to do something um let's switch gears here though from a sell move to a buy move um Ooh. the final piece of this jake fisher article was that the bulls have also inquired about Dejounte murray who's really the hot name on the trade market these days um he said chicago's exploratory efforts to return all-star talent for levine yet those talks never gained traction with the hawks doesn't surprise me. I'm not sure I really think Dejounte Murray's like a great option, but the idea of buying that kind of player, I think is really interesting for where the Bulls are and and we can get into that next. But first, let's do some ads. Let's talk about ComEd. Yes, William, and you will see that I have noted in the rundown that I am ad reader 1. So in this instance, William, did you know it's getting better or easier for businesses to switch to electric vehicles? That's something we can all get behind for the health of the planet and for the well-being of all of us who want to share in its absolute glory. Well, Mark, that is absolutely true. The electric grid is evolving to meet your cleaner energy needs. 
as we all move with confidence towards an electric tomorrow. Whether you have one delivery van or a whole fleet of shipping trucks, ComEd can help guide you to make the changes that make sense. So what should business owners do, William, if they want to make it all make sense? To make it make sense, you go to comed.com slash clean to learn more about the resources, fleet rebates, and infrastructure incentives available to help businesses go electric. If you own a business, don't wait. Start making your plans today to switch to electric vehicles. Good for business, good for the planet, good for all of us. Go to comed.com slash clean. Did you say comed.com slash clean? comed.com slash clean. Go now and see how going electric connects us to a better way of doing business and a better future for generations to come. Also want to tell you guys about our pals at Circa Sportsbook. Great place to place some wagers on any NBA or NFL or any sports action. we got some good NBA games. Wait a second. Is there already... Oh, the Paris game happened today. The Cleveland and Nets game that is already finished. Um, anyway, that was a aside. <laughs> I didn't either. But it was fun to be in Paris last year. Remember that? Um, no. <laughs> Joey remembers. Uh, make sure you guys check out Circus Sportsbook. They strive to give you the classic minus one ten split on Circus Sports menu. Other, unlike other sports books, which may use minus one fifteen or minus one twenty splits, Circus Sports keeps as little money as possible on large market bets like futures, golf tournaments, etc. Especially compared to other books, they have high app limits and transparency, where Circa does not limit players based on their winnings. Every player has the same limits, unlike other sportsbooks who limit their winning players. They even encourage bettors to download and explore other sports betting apps to compare lines from every sportsbook. They want you to get the best deals available, and they have the best customer service of any of these sportsbooks. They are real people behind the Circus Sports brand who resolve issues in a timely fashion, unlike other books who use chat bots. All aspects of the app are being run by the same team that runs the main Circus Sportsbook at Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas where they graciously hosted us for NBA Summer League. It's awesome. Stadium Swim was a blast. I got extremely sunburnt, but it was worth it. Go check that out if you're ever in Vegas. And you can download the Circus Sports Illinois app at circusportscom slash Illinois-app to sign up today. Also be on the lookout for a Circa event, watch party, or tailgate that could be coming up. If you or someone you know may have a problem with gambling, call 1-800-GAMBLER. That's 1-800-426-2537. Or you can text GAMB, G-A-M-B, to 833234 or visit areyoureallywinning.com. All right, let's talk about uh the Bulls being back cuz Bill Simmons said it, so it must be true. Last night after the game, uh Joey, can you throw the uh the tweet up for us? Um Bill Simmons can't remember exactly what the tweet was, but says something along the lines of the, the Bulls, Bulls are a top, are a top six team. team. Fight me. Bulls are a top 6 team in the East, fight me. Um, whew, that's a take, uh, 18 and 21 in the last, in their, this season, uh, yeah. in the last 20 games, they're 21st in offense, fourth in defense and 13th in net rating with a 13 and seven record in their first 19 games. Obviously they were five and 14, so they really turned it around. Are you buying this? I mean, top six team in the East, even if you just like look at the standings, like I, I do buy from the perspective of AK, like the bulls could be any of these teams in a seven game playoff series not any of them but like beyond the celtics bucks and sixers who are obviously i think the best teams in the east you have this middle class of teams that includes the pacers at 22 and 15 the knicks at 22 and 15 the Cavs at 22 and 15 the heat at 21 and 16 the magic at 21 and 16 
and then the bulls at ninth at 18 and 21. So they're just below this at the head of the lower middle class tier with the nets, the Hawks and the Raptors. Um, obviously I think those teams are much better than the bulls and have been for this regular season, but in a playoff series, I think the Knicks and the Cavs and the heat are probably better. I think the bulls could, could maybe, uh, win a series against the magic and the Pacers just due to inexperience and maybe their game style, not really working in a playoff setting or maybe being out adjusted by more veteran players. Um, I think the bulls are probably on the outside of six, but like seventh does not seem seventh or eighth does not seem that crazy to me at this point. And that is saying a lot from uh doggable nation over here. <laughs> well, this, this comes back in some senses to our conversation that we closed with <clears throat> last week where we didn't have enough time to really dive into the first 19 games versus the, the next 19, 20 games, etc. But Maybe we can pick up that conversation now. We've got 20 minutes or so to go. We've got this Bill Simmons tweet to to launch off of. But, I, I mean, it, it's a matter of perspective, right? Like, are they a top six team right now? Yes, unequivocally right now, based on the last 10, 15, 20 games. Hell, they, they may be even better than top six. And, and, and the reason I say that is over the last 20 games, the Bulls are 13 and 7. The only teams with more wins than the Chicago Bulls over the last 20 games are the Los Angeles Clippers, Boston Celtics, and OKC Thunder. So, yeah, like this is, over the last 20 games, a top six team, a better than top six team. Hell, this might be the second best team in the Eastern Conference. But are they really? That is the question. Now, I I guess, uh, can we just have some normal takes, some balanced takes? Do we need to go completely wild with things? Does it have to be on one end, the Bulls are terrible, Billy sucks, Zach is terrible, Demar needs to be traded, Virtues, you know, should be benched for for, uh, Andre Drummond, Patrick Williams stinks. Do we have to go from there to all of a sudden, hey, maybe the Bulls are a top six team and everything is good again? Like, can we find some balance in this? So to your point, William, on the season, more generally, even if you step away from the season and, and just our evaluation of these teams, I don't think the Bulls are better than the Celtics or the Bucks or the Sixers. I certainly don't think they're better than the Knicks or the Heat, who are more battle-tested, particularly in the postseason. I'm not giving up on Cleveland just yet because they've been playing extremely good basketball themselves and doing so without two or three of their key guys in certain instances garland's been out mobley's been out like what they've been able to do themselves to steady their own season has been impressive i'm not just gonna override or overlook everything indiana and orlando have done over 40 games like why should anyone be doing that if we want to be true and fair and objective about it so on the season on the whole more generally no i don't think the bulls are a top six team are they playing like a top six team right now yes absolutely they are they've been one of the best teams in the eastern conference over those last 20 games which i referenced in fact they've been the fourth best defense in the nba over, over the last 20 or so games so this team which was almost bottom five in both offense and defense and almost net rating too they were 25th in their first 19 games they've completely changed the narrative around who they are the offense still isn't great over the last 20 games. The 21st in offensive rating, but like I said, fourth in defensive rating, 13th in net rating. They have been a good, functional, defense-first basketball team over the last 20 games, but it's just a 20-game sample. So this leads into our conversation that we were trying to have last week. Like, what do we emphasize? The first 19, the last 20, a combination of both. Does any of that matter as to what we forecast this team to be, knowing that the trade deadline is coming up and all the Zach stuff that we talked about? Like, how do you put it all together, I guess? 
for the Bulls themselves, but then how do you overlay that with the NBA more generally? Like this is why it's fun to talk about these things. But no, the Bulls absolutely right now and not or on the season are not a top six team. But right now they're playing freaking good basketball. And let's just enjoy and celebrate that without without having to go through the weeds of well, they might be sixth, but actually they're ninth or fifth or whatever. Like the point being, they're playing good, they're playing fun, and let's just celebrate it right now. Absolutely. I mean, they are playing much better. And when you mentioned, like, do you wipe away the f- five and 14 start? I don't believe so. But also, I think you're right about the fact that you can't necessarily weigh that as heavily when you are forecasting what they will look like in their future. But since December 1st, Bulls are plus 1.6 point differential, which is 13th in the league. Um, so uh, among the teams, uh, let's see how many are ahead of them in the Eastern Conference. So it's Indiana's ahead of them. Cleveland is ahead of them. Uh, New York is ahead of them. Milwaukee, Philly, Boston. So th- that's six teams ahead of them. So they're seventh in the East since December 1st. Um, if you push it back to uh, the December 29th game to include that full, um, whatever it was, you know, eight of 12 stretch that they went on, uh, they would be 12th and six in the ETH. So, I mean, yeah, it's, it's all kind of splitting hairs. Um, obviously they are playing at a much higher level and I think it's a level that's kind of what I was talking about with like a playoff series. I think it just is exactly what AK's vision is for this group, which is that like, yeah, maybe they're not as good in the regular season, but I think if you put them in a seven game playoff series, they could be competitive with Miami. They could be competitive with Cleveland or New York or Indiana. The problem is to me, like they're not going to be playing any of those teams in the first round. So even if they do make it out of the play-in, they're going to be facing Boston or Milwaukee because I don't really see a scenario where they're climbing up to sixth. Um, as I mentioned before, they are five games out of sixth place, but there's two teams ahead of them. And also there's five teams that are kind of grouped together that are all five or six games above 500 and the bulls are still three games below 500. So not to say that they can't climb out of that hole, but to me, ninth place seems like the most reasonable place where they finish. I'm not putting it past them that they could do better. Maybe they do make a Zach Levine trade and they get better from that. Maybe Zach Levine stays and continues playing like this. I mean, the bulls are three and in the post Zach Levine returns from injury era. Maybe that means they're onto something who knows, but they're, they're obviously playing a much better brand and, I think that's really all you can ask for with this season because the way that they're doing it is by some of their young players really taking major steps and by some of their older players fitting into roles that make more sense of them that are obviously contributing to winning basketball. So yeah, I mean, I'm much happier with this. I wouldn't say that like I'm a believer and I think the the main, like you have is William Gottlieb a believer yet. I, I wouldn't say that like I'm a believer in the sense that like I believe this team is like, the team moving forward to me, I just don't like, I would prefer personally a Mm -hmm. situation that was like a little bit more sustainable for the long term. The idea of like Mm -hmm. building around 35 year olds does not really make a lot of sense to me. I don't really believe as you know, in Kobe or Patrick as a one options on the next great bulls team. So does it like mean that the bulls have to tear it all down to find that next great player? No, I think there's there's ways that you can build through the middle. To me, like the biggest thing is just that they haven't been building anywhere. Like if you believe that this group is worth building around, build. If you believe that this group is not worth continuing on with, then go the other direction. But to me, the frustrating thing has been the fact that they haven't done anything for the past three years. Like that 
is kind of inexcusable to me. And not to say that they can't do something now uh, or that they're not back on the right track. I think they clearly are. But like, okay, great. You're doing something. Like, let's make a move to try. If you believe in it, like invest in it. If you don't believe in it, then you can't just like let this thing ride for three years, which is what they've done. So that I think is the more concerning thing to me. And whether or not Zach Levine has a strong market at the deadline obviously has an impact. But I just, I think this idea that uh, investing in a ninth or eighth seeded team at all costs, even if you sacrifice potential value on the market, I think is probably the wrong way to go about doing things. But that's not to say that they can't still build through the middle if they do the right things. They just need to do the right things. Look, I, again, fundamentally, I don't disagree when we take a step back and, you know, holistically, what do I prefer? Do I prefer the team going in around Demar and Vooch and, you know, building that as Kobe and Pat's running mates for the next one to two seasons? No, ideally, I don't believe in that situation, assuming I had freedom of choice to do anything I want. But operating within the circumstances that I think they're in, in part, which they've put themselves in, but also knowing knowing and understanding the limitations or the the ceilings that ownership apply to this as well, then I don't know. I, I'm maybe I've reached acceptance <laughs> and have accepted acceptance, and maybe that's why I'm comfortable in this in this notion. But I think so. Maybe I'm wrong. Look, I'm not I'm not, I'm not saying here sitting here saying that I'm correct and that you're wrong in positioning that this is the wrong uh, the wrong path that you're delaying the inevitable because I think ultimately there is truth to that and more generally I believe with I believe what you're saying but also I'm enjoying what the the, the bulls are doing this at least the last 20 games now if things change and they fall off again and things start to look more like the first 19 games and they have the last 20 games then my opinion changes. Like any reasonable and sane human being out there, as the facts change, as the variables change, so should your opinions. But based on what I'm seeing right now, I'm enjoying this current season. And I think if the balls had played this way from the start, which I think was possible, even not even from the start, but maybe if it took, if it took them 10 games to ramp up and to adapt to what they wanted to be, which they've ultimately gotten to now, even if I'll, I'll spot them those first 10 games, Maybe they're three and seven in that ten game, first ten games, but then they start to level off and and steady off and play reasonable basketball from game eleven onwards. This is where the whole Simmons things get interesting because, like the Bulls, like we're thinking about this team being a ninth or tenth seed in the East and how it's going to be extremely difficult for them to break out of that bracket based on what the current record is for those teams above. Who there's a you know five or six teams who are five or six games above five hundred. The Bulls' challenge right now is, can we get back to 500? And the fact that that is the challenge is because of what happened in that first 19 games. So whilst I'm enjoying what I'm seeing right now, there is a part of me that is annoyed because they've put themselves in this hole. And it's frustrating because if the first 19 games go just a little bit differently, I'm not asking for a lot. I'm not asking them to have been 14 and 5 or something stupid like that but can you have played 500 basketball through that stretch if you had of what does this season look like now if you do that what do what are we talking about right now are we even talking about zach levine trades are we talking about something more holistic like adding real pieces to this team and trying to build upwards from there and trying to get to that next level of team or insert whatever team we want to use as, as your your facsimile or your your example like i think they've 
this comes back to a broader theme that I've been thinking about the last few days, William. Like the way that I'm going to reflect back on these last two or three seasons for the Bulls is just a series of missed opportunities. Whatever it might be in relation to, whether it was the last deadline, whether it's this season, whether it's previous off seasons, whether it was the the formation of this team back in 2021 and not maybe going in more at 2021 around that deadline, the way they played even the first 20 or 30 odd games last season, that the fact that they had to bring themselves out of a hole last season to, to get into the playing, the fact that they were so close last season in the playing, but then didn't ultimately make the playoffs. This team, the way that I will remember them and this AK era more generally is just through a series of missed opportunities. So is this season again headed for that path as well? I don't know. Maybe it's probably more probable based on the hole that they put themselves in for through that first 19 games. And if so, like, again, it's just a missed opportunity. So there is a part of me that understands what you're saying. There's a part of me that is eternally frustrated with this team, with this organization, with management, with ownership, with the players. But right now I'm just trying to embrace and enjoy the last 20 games because there has been some good stuff. I've liked what I've seen. The Bulls have been one of the best teams in basketball through that stretch. So maybe they are a top six team in the East, William. Maybe they are. I just, I just don't think that like they <laughs> that you have to factor that into who this team is. Like even though they're not playing that way anymore, that is a part of this team's identity. And not to say that they're going to revert back to it. Not to say that they shouldn't have been better because they should have. But that is who they are, and I think. That obviously affects where they are in the standings, but I think it also should affect who they are at the trade deadline. You know, again, I'm not saying building through the middle is an impossible thing. I think it's hard and I think you have to be incredibly patient and I think you have to hit on all of your moves, but that's true even if you're bottoming out too. So I'm not saying that like they should be taking at all costs and I'm not saying that they should be going through the middle. Um, my point is that like they have to keep building towards something like that's always been my biggest thing. And Mm -hmm. to me, like, even if they get back to 500, you know, they've got the Spurs and the Warriors, sorry, the Warriors coming up tomorrow on Friday night. They got Mm -hmm. uh, at San Antonio at Cleveland at Toronto, and then back home against the injury plagued Memphis Grizzlies. Like they could be above 500 before February. It would not surprise me because they're playing Mm -hmm. much better because hopefully Zach Levine continues to perform like this and help the team win. And because the schedule is really soft the rest of the way. So they could be better, but they're not. Um, but, you know, even if they believe that they're better than what their record is, then you got to keep building towards that. And maybe that affects what you're looking for in a Zach Levine trade. Maybe that affects how you build things down the road. Again, I would prefer to build something, if it were up to me, a little bit more long-term oriented. Um, but I still think that there's a possibility that they build something really solid through the middle and it's all just about continuing to build um which they yeah which they just have not done so i don't know wh- like where do you if if they continue on this path like what do you see how do you see this the rest of this regular season and postseason playing out because i think that's also when you think about what what it is that you're going to do the decisions you're going to make about this roster moving forward you have to not just be thinking about the regular season but that also matters for something, right? Like having a product that you can sell to your fans for 41 games does matter. And so like, how do you factor those two things in to the rest of the way forecasting, you know, as opposed to looking back at what they currently are based on their record. Um, and what do you think that means for them at the trade deadline as far as what you would do? 
Well, I mean, what I would do versus what I'm able to do with two different concepts and coming back to our friend Barton Super Chat where he asked, is there any credibility to ownership shutting down Lowball's act trades? Like if that is a constraint that AK has, then you have to operate within that constraint and that limits what you can or can't do. So coming back to, again, I completely agree with you that you should be either building something, trying to add to this team or maybe tearing it down a little to then build upwards in the next one to two, three seasons, whatever it might be. But like so much of this is governed by the governors of this team. So as much as I want to crush AK for things, like there is that real constraint that we have to acknowledge. Like, and, and you touched on it before, like part of the reason that Zach may be on the table or the Bulls have explored Zach trades is the upcoming tax permutations of this team assuming you keep it decreed together like if you can't trade zach and he is on your books july one and your intent is to re-sign patrick williams re-sign uh demar DeRozan, you are going to be over the tax you're not going to be a free uh, a cap space team like you're not you're not bringing through free agents you're bringing back the exact same team maybe even less of the team because tory craig and andre drummond might just exercise their options and leave and you will still be over the tax in that scenario. So how do you replace them? So the Zach thing from a tax point of view, because ownership matters, what ownership want to do long-term with guaranteed money matters as well. Like, I guess the point being, William, like what I would like to do is involves having free reign on things. And it's probably more from an ownership perspective, less so from a managerial perspective, because that ownership stuff sets the standard, sets the table, sets the baseline of what management can or can't do. So if we're saying that the Bulls can't go over the tax and we're saying that maybe ownership is not interested in a rebuild, then we're kind of in the scenario that we are in as Bulls fans, as the Bulls themselves, because we have this thin, thin narrow bandwidth to play within and we're constantly bouncing off the, the walls of within that bandwidth and trying to find a way through to find our way or stumble our way into something that's good and meaningful basketball. So... I don't know the, really the answer to that question. I, I guess it's a philosophical one of what would I do versus what the Bulls can do. Um, but based on what they can do, I, I think they are hamstrung by a lot of different scenarios. So let's talk about the money uh, element of it. You know, obviously the Zach Levine thing is what it is. We don't know how that's going to affect the salary cap next year. But let's say they can't trade him and they go into next season with Zach Levine on the roster. Let's say they also want to re-sign DeMar DeRozan. That number is going to look something like $30 million a year. Let's say they also want to re-sign Patrick Williams, and that number looks something like $18 million a year. They bring back Andre Drummond on a veteran minimum for $3.4 million for a 10-year vet, and they will have a cap hold for a rookie drafted probably 15th or 14th or 16th or something in the middle of the first round. If they do all that, they're going to be uh, $12.5 million into the luxury tax, $4.5 million into the first apron, and about $5 million away from the second apron. Uh, that's just based on rough projections that we have right now. That could change. Um, obviously, that's just not going to happen. So how do they get out of that situation? One, they could trade Zach and get back expiring contracts or bring back less money. They could try to get a better deal on Patrick Williams and DeMar DeRozan, which I don't really see as a viable option. They could uh, medically retire Lonzo Ball and waive his $21 million from the cap sheet, and I think that's the most likely scenario. But even still, you are then bringing back the exact same roster. And you know, 
if they finish as a 500 team or a 42 and 40 win team, like we're just doing the same thing again. And I think that the first 19 games warped the perception of this team so dramatically that now a 500 team looks great because of how miserable it was to be five and 14 for the first 19 games to where now that's just going to be the norm again until people get frustrated with it. And maybe that happens in the playoffs. If they get swept by the Celtics or bucks in the first round, maybe it happens after the next year. But like, to me, it's just the same cycle that they're on. And yeah, again, maybe they figure out a way to get above that sort of middle of the pack. I think that's a possibility if they maybe use Lonzo's, there was a report in Mark Stein's notebook the other day that said that basically like the NBA or some insurance company that the NBA works with is paying Lonzo's salary. So even though it shows up on the books for the cap sheet, the bulls aren't necessarily paying that. So that could be an asset that the bulls give to another cheap team. That's like, yeah, you're going to have this, you know, $20 million of dead money in your books, but you're not going to be paying most of it. I think it's only 80% if I recall. So that could be a real asset for the bulls to go out and get something. And like, I would be okay with them being buyers. Again, I would prefer that they try to go the other direction, not necessarily tear it down and blow it up, but like look for draft picks as opposed to like win now 27, 28 year olds. Um, but they could go that direction and it would help them. And maybe it gets them into that same, you know, upper middle class of the Eastern conference with the Knicks and the Cavs and the Pacers and the magic. That's fine because it's getting you to the next thing. And then maybe you make another move after that. Who knows? But like, again, it's just to me, if if everything stays on this current course, like you're looking at the same team coming back again next year. And I just don't, I just will never understand why that makes sense. It doesn't, it doesn't, William. That's why you need to accept acceptance. That's why you need to get into this place of Zen that I find myself just understanding where this team is. called Stockholm Syndrome, my friend. <laughs> Call it whatever you want, William, but I am in a happier place than yourself. But um, it is what it is. Like I'm not. Gone it, wait, wait, hold on a second. I'm not unhappy at all. I, this team has what? been so much more enjoyable. Like the amount of attention that the team gets when they're doing well <laughs> is great. That is good for me. That's more people watching our show. That's more people reading what I write. That's more people following along on Twitter. Like I'm not opposed to this team being good. To me, I just want to see them building towards something. And it's not like I'm not like mad at them for not doing that. It's just confusing to me. So I have no problem with the Bulls playing better. Like I never want that to be the assumption. Um, I want them to continue to grow. And I think, yeah, it's, it's all about just like growing and moving towards something like trying to build something. And I think what they did in the first place to try to build a team that one made sense on the court together, but two reestablished the bulls identity as like a real NBA team that kind of went you know, waffle a little bit after Lonzo went down and things kind of got ugly. Um, and certainly at the start of the season, there was the players meeting and all that, but they are back on track. And like, I have zero problem with that. The problem I have is if you aren't going to build like, and maybe, maybe they just like figure things out and Kobe has gotten so good that they are in that same group with the Knicks and the Cavs and all those teams. And, you know, maybe they can at the end of next year be out of it, but then you're looking at a 36 year old Damar and you know Booch has one more year on his deal and he's 35 so it's just like i just the the idea of building towards something that can last um or that can at least progress beyond the next year i think matters to me when i'm watching this team so it's not about like disliking the team like people always just 
tweet at me that I hate the team. Obviously, that is not the case. It's more just about like understanding the vision. And I don't know that there really is a clear vision because I don't know that they really know what direction to go. But uh, yeah, as Joey is tweeting or putting into the comments here, I clearly hate the team in the city. So maybe that's a good place to wrap up for today. Do you know what friendship is, William? What is friendship if it's not finding the pain points of your friends and needling it and trolling them and getting them to go on a two-minute soliloquy about something because you knew it was a raw point and you knew it would get them. So uh, I I apologize, William. I, I, I obviously know all of this. Any person calling you a casual or not a, you know... So many people have been calling me casual lately. For some reason, I'm like, that just really makes me annoyed because I really don't know that there's anybody that watches this team more closely than I do. So that makes me a casual, then I guess I'm a casual. Well, now you just, you know, completely arrogant and not humble at all by suggesting that no one watches Bulls basketball more than William the Goat Gottlieb. But maybe that's true. Maybe it's true. And again, you know what I'm doing? I'm needling you. I'm trolling you. But you know why I do that, William? Because I love you and you're my friend and I'm an arsehole. (laughs) But this is why I enjoy talking about you because we can have real honest conversations, balanced conversations. You know, no hot takes here, friends. Maybe maybe you get that at Other Balls podcasts. Maybe that's what you enjoy. Maybe William and I are too bland and boring for you. But I don't know. Uh, to me, this is good basketball analysis, and I enjoy being with you, William, even if you are a doggable hater of this team who doesn't appreciate the last 20 games of this season or what this oh season God. has been. I'm trolling you again, if you haven't. I know, I know. Also, <laughs> trolling me is a people's supporter in the comments saying that I said Harrison Barnes is better than Patrick Williams. That is not what I said. I said it would be likely that he would start, but he's also really falling off cliff this year. So maybe not. That was just my initial reaction. Chill out. Um, all right. Before I really get t- triggered and start calling out all of our <laughs> wonderful people in the comments who are always showing up and uh, hanging out with us and watching our show, we all appreciate and love you. Uh, Joey, thank you very much for clicking the buttons. Mark, thank you very much for waking up early. I have to go to the red carpet event and take some pictures of Phil Jackson and Dennis Rodman and other Bulls greats who are here for the Ring of Honor ceremony that's going to be happening at halftime of tomorrow's game against the Warriors. Please tune into that. I think it's going to be really cool. Um, I'm wearing a tux tonight, Joey. Just kidding. I think I'm probably going to wear a sweatshirt. but yeah, I have to run to that. So I will go do that. But Mark, always great talking with you. Uh, we will be back tomorrow for pregame. Matt and Dave have you covered from our studio in uh, at CHEO Studios. Um, until then, we will talk to you guys next time. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. 
Indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 